Well, last week, we took a little detour from, from Joshua, and we talked about facing those giants in our lives and, and just all that entails. And we compared Joshua and David a little bit and, and how Joshua did great, but, but we come to find out he didn't finish. He didn't fight those, uh, those giants all the way that, that the Lord had asked him to do. And 400 years later, David was dealing with that same family generations later. And how the Lord really wants us to deal with those giants in our lives. And how if we're willing and we're ready to step up and, and to fight those things, he is there to help us out. His Holy Spirit lives within us if we're a believer. And he is there to help us fight those things. That we are not alone. We have each other. We also have the Holy Spirit living for us. And I felt it was a great message from the Lord. And, and if you missed it, I want to encourage you to, to listen online, uh, our, our Facebook and so forth. Just go to our website and you'll see where you can click on it and, and so forth. But, but I encourage you to see what the Lord has to say to you about your giants. Now, in chapter, or at the end of chapter 11, we see the end of battles for Joshua. This is his last great battle, or that was his last great battle, and, and still deal with some internal battles and some things going on, but, but as far as battles go, he just kind of went out with a bang. I mean, they traveled five days up north, and he went up against so many kings and against the king of Hazor and all the, all the representatives there and all the different kingdoms that came together. I mean, Jericho was a big deal, but Hazor was 25 times larger. And then you add in all those other kings. The northern kingdoms got together and decided to, to stop Israel once and for all. And we've seen this throughout history where, where different groups will come together and they say, let's just stop them all at once and they'll attack all at once. And again, the Lord just defends them over and over and over. And really all worldly logic would say they should have been just wiped out. But we're not dealing with worldly logic. We're not dealing with, with earthly things. We're dealing with heavenly logic. We're dealing with spiritual things. There were over 300,000 enemy soldiers and around 20,000 chariots that, that Josephus later on wrote down about this battle. And, and yes, they weren't written down at that time. They were written down later. But, but we're confident that these numbers are, are pretty much right in the ballpark of where they would be. This would be like us marching up, up against tanks, which is, wouldn't be very smart for us. Uh, but however, the Lord promised Joshua and the Israelites victory, and that is what he gave them during this battle. By the time they defeated Hazor and, and took the northern part of the kingdom, Joshua had become an incredible leader at this point. He was very admired by, by military minds, and some of these battles are still studied today. In fact, in the Six-Day War, uh, you know, <coughs> in the war in 1967, the Yom Kippur uh, War, there have been repeats of these battles that we find in the book of Joshua. And, and you know, only they're really using tanks. They're really using uh, missiles and planes and all these different things. And, and, and there have been repeats of, of this type of war where everybody goes against them, and every time the Lord has come through. One in particular was, was fought almost at the same location 3,200 years later. Syria and Lebanon invaded from the north, and Egypt came up from the south, and, and from the east, Jordan came, and it was funded by Saudi Arabia and Russia. 
you know, because it was all about the oil money. You know, they felt that, that, that <coughs> they felt that if they could just, just grab a hold of that oil, if they could just grab a hold of that area and push them into the sea, all things would be great. And Israel really felt like it was the world against them. So Israel reads Joshua kind of with a different take than how we read, uh, you know, Joshua, a different twist. We read it and we find it interesting and we kind of apply it, but they read it and they go, wow, my mom lives down in that area where they attacked or, or my cousin lives over there or my family lives down there and we need to defend them. But Joshua has no idea that this is his final battle. And we're, we're much the same. In the middle of a battle, we don't realize it may be our last battle for a while. And the Lord transitions us from battling so much and gives us rest. But when Joshua was in the middle of the battle, Joshua had to be smiling. I mean, things were amazing at this point. He was on a roll. One battle after another battle after another battle. The Lord was fighting for them and with them. And then in Joshua 11... He changes jobs. He starts to get that time of rest, and he gives out land to the tribes of Israel as an inheritance for them. So it's Joshua's job now to, to give out land to Manassas and Gad and Issachar. So Joshua goes from a commander to an you know, executor, or, I mean, uh, you, you know the word. He, he's the one that, the, 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 that has to deal with the inheritance and hand it out. And really, everyone's in transition here. They've been fighting for seven years after spending 40 years in the desert eating manna. And now they get their reward, and they get their inheritance. So Israel was, was, was good at battle, but now they had to switch gears. They had to change things. And they're not going to you know, live their entire lives fighting. And when we follow the Lord, it's like this. And I do mean follow the Lord. Not just say, oh, I'm a Christian. Not just say, well, God's a part of my life. But I mean, truly follow the Lord. We end up getting rest. And at the end of chapter 11, it says that the land rested from war. And Joshua starts to become the overseer, the, the distributor of the land. And there's going to be some small skirmishes here and there, but no more big battles. But before we get to, to chapter 12... If you haven't read already ahead, you will see in this chapter, there are a bunch of names, and I'm going to slaughter these names as we go through them. I'm just going to totally mess them up. There is an entire chapter of names. It's like a huge list. It's like reading a contract. It's very exciting, you know? In fact, let's, let's get into it. It says, these are the kings of the land whom the Israelites had defeated and whose territory they took over east of the Jordan, from Arnon, George, to Mount Hermon, including all the eastern side of Arba. Shahon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, he ruled from Aror on the rim of Arnon, George, from the middle of the, jo of the George to the Jabbok River, which is the border of the Amorites. This included half of Gilead. Now, this is exciting stuff, right? I mean, then in verse 8, we get a whole list of these nations, and we're like, okay, well, tell the whole story here. At least the battles would be interesting, but he just leaves the names in there, and that's it. Verse 8, it says, the lands included the hill country, 
the western foothills, the Arbal, the mountain slopes, the wilderness, and the Negev. These were the lands of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jejubites. And I think you want to throw in the Rams and the Dodgers and the Giants and everybody else into this list. And we're like, tell me the stories here. And he, but it's just a list. It goes on in verse 9. It says, the king of Jericho won. <laughs> and <laughs> I love that. They actually put the word one in there. This, you know, there's a number there. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, one. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. The king of Jarmoth, one. The king of Lachish, one. The king of Eglon, one. The king of Gezer, one. The king of Debir, one. The king of uh, Geder, one. The, the king of Hormah, one. The king of Arad, one. The king of Libna, one. The king of Adullam, one. The king of uh, Makata, one. The king of Bethel, one. The king of uh, Tupah, one. The king of uh, Hefner, one. The king of Aphek, uh, one. The king of uh, Lasharon, one. The king of Madden, one. The king of Hazor, one. The king of Shim, uh, Shimron uh, Meron, one. The king of Ashpah, one. The king of Tanakh, one. The king of Megiddo, one. Verse 22, the king of Kadesh won. The king of uh, Jokneum in Carmel won. Actually, I think this is Clint Eastwood's Old Testament name, you know, and that's how my mind makes it here. Uh, the, verse 23, the king of Dor and the heights of Dor won. The king of the people of Gilead won. The king of Tizah won. All the kings, 31. So after reading all of this, I'm like, well, I guess I just move on to, to chapter 13, right? I, I've read it. I, I've attempted the names. I, I kind of did pretty well reading some of those names. I kind of even surprised myself here, and I, I should move on, Lord, right? And he's like, no, no. There's something else for you there. And I'm like, what do you mean there's something else, you know, there? He's like, there is. And I'm like, well, what is it? Because I'm very busy here, Lord. I mean, I got COVID. I got kids. I got school. I got kindergarten. I got to help my third grade. I mean, my fourth grader. I got to help all these. You know, I, I'm kind of busy here. And he just laughs. And he goes, yeah, Alan, your, your life is, is really busy, isn't it? I'm like, come on, Lord. There's not really that much application here. I mean, do these names really mean anything and I'm like, well, well, yeah, Lord, they do. It's your word, but I mean, come on, they're just names. And then he just waits. And then I say, what, Lord, what? I, what? And he says, well, you weren't there. I might send someone that was there to, to read this to you. They would take a different take on it. So, so I kind of waited out in the parking lot waiting for one, and no one showed up, you know? I mean, to us, this is a list from 3,200 years ago where I can't even pronounce the names right. And no matter how much I practice them, it just doesn't come across. But to the Israel, for the Israelites at this point, this is their favorite chapter so far. Why is that? They were there. They were there. You know, when I go fishing on my fishing trips and stuff, and, and different stories get told, and, and if you're involved in one of the stories over the years, you're like, I was right there. 
I mean, I was there when my dad flipped over the boat, and I heard him go, oh, 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 and I turned around, and I saw him fly in the boat. I was there when we figured out he had his wallet in the lake, out in the middle of nowhere. Why has he got his, I mean, we're the only ones on the lake. Why has he got his wallet with him? Why didn't he leave it inside? I mean, it's hilarious, but it's more hilarious to me than it is to you, because I was there. For them, this isn't uh, 31 hard-to-pronounce names. This is 31 battles that they fought and they won. So Joshua stands before them and he reads Joshua 11 and Joshua 12. And as he gets old, he starts to write down these, you know, all the stuff that, that, that happened. I can imagine him reading this to all the people. They get all the, you know, they get everybody gathered together and he get to chapter 12 and he reads, These are the kings of the land of whom the children of Israel defeated. The king of Jericho won, and they would have gone wild. They would have gone crazy. The children, you know, I can imagine the children who had heard all the stories start marching around, going, Jericho, march, march, you know, and doing all this crazy stuff just because, I mean, this is a big deal. And he's like, okay, okay, kids, settle down. Let's talk about the next king. There are 30 more to go. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, won. And they would just go wild over it. I mean, these are, this is history. This would have been their history. The king of Jerusalem won. Think of it this way. Had you fought in the battle of Jerusalem? I mean, Jerusalem is on a high hill. From every direction, you have to go up. To Jerusalem. You'll see that all the time in the Bible. It'll say they came up to Jerusalem. When we think of up, we think of north. But from no matter where you're coming from, you have to go up because it's on a hilltop. And you have to climb down with them throwing stuff at you, with them shooting stuff at you. And, and, and if you'd been in that battle and Joshua gets up and says the king of Jerusalem won, you would have gone nuts too. You would say, I was there. Let me show you my medals. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what, what really happened. I can imagine him reading this to all the Israelites. And you get to chapter 12 and he reads this. Just what an amazing time this would have been. When I get to heaven, I kind of want to find a few of these guys, like the guy who who shot. I mean, who who fought in the battle, Shimron, Meron, you know, because I don't know anything about the about the <coughs> battle. I don't know anything that happened there, and, and you know, I bet you, I bet you, the Lord has something to teach me from that battle, from that person. If you get what I'm talking about, have you ever talked to somebody who's been to war? I mean, some of them get really kind of quiet. I mean, it's. Because it was a tough time. It's hard to explain certain details of what's happened. But to know that they won, to know that they persevered, it means something. And this is exactly what it is. Joshua is writing it down so people do not forget about the battles the Lord has taken them through. So I think this is it. And I go, okay, Lord, now do I get to move on? I get it now. I will teach what you've taught me on this. So it's time to move on, right? And he's like, no, not quite, Alan, not yet. And I'm like, well, what else, Lord? Well, I think the reason this list is special to them and not so much to us is this is seven years worth of battles. And the Lord said to me, Alan, 
when's the last time you updated your list? I'm like, list? What do you, what do you mean, Lord? I haven't been fighting battles like this. And he goes, yes, you have. When was the last time you've updated your list? When was the last time you've thought about everything I brought you through in this life? You need to sit down. You need to take out a pencil or a pen, and you need to write down this stuff that, you know, that, that I've taken you through, the battles that you've won along with me. You know, ignore your phone and start making your list. Every one of us can do this in our own life. You can have a list like Joshua 12 has a list here. Think about where you were seven years ago and where you are now. What battles have you won during that time? Well, you need to remember those. You need to write them down. Have the Lord help you remember them. Figure out how the Lord has helped you along in those battles and write it down. And you are the one that says, why? You know, maybe you're the person that says, well, I haven't won any battles. Well, then my question is, why haven't you been following the Lord? Because if you haven't won anything in seven years, then maybe you need to reassess where you are in this life. And maybe you need to concentrate on following the Lord so you can start winning those battles. Maybe you're at the beginning of that seven-year period. I want to challenge you to make a list. And then I want to challenge you to go to someone else and read that list to them. Because these are battles that you've won as a family sometimes. Or these are battles that God has taken you through on a personal level. And you need to be able to celebrate these things. List out the things that you've defeated. How about I've defeated cancer or we've defeated cancer or we saved our marriage. We went through a rough patch and it was very difficult, but I was able to work through it and save our marriage by God's grace. Or how about we survived raising children? Or how about I got three promotions in seven years? I mean, God has all these amazing things that he's accomplished in our life if we would just recognize him. Now, why was it so cool for the children of Israel to do this in the middle of Joshua, in the middle of this book, instead of at the end of the book? I think it's because they needed it. Joshua 12 comes in at a perfect time for this nation and life of, of, of this man. You know, not the end of his life. He still has five to seven years to live. He doesn't know that yet. Uh, you know, we will find out later he dies and God calls him an old man. It's kind of funny. Um, but he doesn't know when his years are done. And yet, this is very important to sit down and write out his blessings, to count his blessings, to see where God has taken him in the battles that he's won and maybe even the battles that he's lost. And then he comes back and says, Well, why did I lose that battle? I wasn't following the Lord. If we follow the Lord, we're going to win some of these battles. Why is it good to do this? Is it just good to hype ourselves up? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it is good to hype ourselves up, only not to fake it. There's nothing wrong about getting excited about something that, that, that is real, that, that is happening. You know, where were you seven years ago and what were you doing? And in between then and now, what were those victories? I don't know. I just, wow, there are no victories, none. Not in seven years? Oh, man. 
<laughs> you're probably depressed then. And, you know, I would go, no, you've won some. And they're like, no, no, no. And I would just say, man, it's, it's been a tough time, hasn't it? But then we'd look back at Israel and say, no, no, no. Israel had it tough. We don't have it tough. These are not 31 gifts. You know, I will sit here at Gilgal and God is, has, uh, you know, will give me 31 victories. Isn't that great? Is that how it happened? No. They had to go out and they had to actually fight these battles. They were hard fought battles where people died and people were hurt. So literally write down the things this week that have happened in your life and tell somebody. Preferably not only me, but, but talk to other people. Tell each other because life is tough. Life is not always easy. There are battles, but there are also victories. So then I tried to move on. <laughs> and I went to the Lord. I probably shouldn't have, but I did. And he goes, no, there, there's some more here. And I go, Lord, what do you mean there's more here? I don't see it. He said, look at it from the negative. I'm like, I can be negative. I can look at it from that. Okay. There are those among us who just this year have become fully devoted followers of Christ. And I don't mean like a new Christian. I'm talking about some, you know, someone who all of a sudden the Lord just kind of awakens within them and they find themselves making better decisions, better life decisions, and trying to live for Christ uh, to, to please the Father in heaven. And you will find yourself going along just great, and you'll find yourself just really exciting, just really enjoying life. And you will see someone who has been with the Lord for a long time, and they're struggling, and they're going through a difficult things and a difficult time, and you may not understand why they're going through that difficult time. Because I want to warn you of something. During your walk with the Lord, you will find that sometimes you will get hit from the right or the left or even behind, and you will never see it coming. And sometimes that hit is hard. It will knock you down. You know, the old saying, it'll knock your socks right off. I can remember, you know, going out in the snow and, and, and to save money, I, you know, we, we buy like snow stuff for our kids, but to save money, I bought it a little big. You know, I, I bought my son's shoes, snowshoes a little big, and he was going down this little snow hill and he, he hit this bump and it threw him up in the air and literally his shoes went flying off. He wasn't expecting it at all, you know. Sometimes we're going to get hit and literally we're going to come out of our shoes when something really knocks us down. And we're going to try not to laugh when it happens. And those who are mature Christians will be there to help you up. Wipe off the dust. And you will hit something and say, wait a second. You know, when you get hit by something, you'll say, wait a second. What happened? I started following God more. And, and this shouldn't have happened. God should have protected me. And I feel like I got ran over by a truck. You know, we love the verse. I can do all things through Christ, Christ who gives me strength. I told that truck to stop in the name of Christ, but it still hit me. And then when that happens, sometimes we'll just disappear for a while. And after a month or two or six months or a year, we'll start to show back up. And people are like, what happened to you? And hopefully a mentor, a mature believer will come along and will grab you and will give you that shield of faith. We'll give you some, some, some God to, to protect you in the sword of Christ and say, welcome to the war, buddy. 
Let me help you along in this. Because that's what life is sometimes. It seems like it's a war. It's a war of good against evil. It's a war of Satan against God. And we often forget about that. We think the enemy is politics. We think the enemy is prejudices. We think the enemy is all these different things. But really the enemy is Satan himself. Don't ever forget that. Your enemy is not the person in the next pew. Your enemy is not the person out on the street that made you mad. Your enemy is Satan. Good against evil. A war of God against Satan. But the great thing is, we know who wins. Can I get an amen on that one? Okay, shout at your TV, amen. I mean, we need an amen on that one, people. But just like every commander who lost, there's a period of time where they still fight because they think they can pull it off. But reality is, we have already won. And Satan can keep fighting, but it doesn't matter because Christ has always won. There'll be these little skirmishes, and it can get discouraging. You win 31 battles, but we're sitting there going, man, I've, I've barely won one. Well, actually, you've already won one. And that was when you accepted Jesus Christ into your life. That's the ultimate battle. That's the first battle. You know, when you were accepting the Lord into your life. And that was the biggest battle of all. And then all the little skirmishes come along. And then we fight at Jericho. And we start seeing negative things. And, and we were like, well, well, well that, that was God. And, and it was, but he used you to fight the battle. See, Israel is not going, man, we, we did 31 really cool things. We, we, we defeated 31 different you know, groups in battle and so forth. You know, we're so great. No, Israel stops, and they celebrate like the 4th of July for them. And these are 31 battles that they fought, and they won because of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And one reason they listed all of this is, so the next generation could read it. So their kids would know. And their kids' kids would know. And, and they could pronounce words like Shim, uh, Shimron, Meron. And, and, and their teacher could say, I was there. Let me tell you exactly how we did it and what the Lord did. Because the Lord came through for us. So I tried to move on. And the Lord is like, there's still one more thing here, Alan. And by now, I'm just not fighting him anymore. I'm just like... Okay, just tell me what it is, because I don't see it. And he says, the Apostle Paul. And I'm like, Lord, this is Old Testament. That is New Testament. Those are two different things. And he's like, no, it isn't. It's the same battle. It's the same battle. The Apostle Paul was like Joshua. He was great at making lists, too. And, and he says, I was shipwrecked. I was beaten. I was this. I was that. All these different things, you know, happened to me. And in the last part of the book of Romans... He lists a bunch of his friends, and each friend represents a battle that he won. And God is saying, there is this New Testament guy that, that, that you all like, and he made these lists, and Paul was great about this, and he never stopped or retired from following God. It was never about age. 25 years into his ministry, he wrote the book of, the, you know, the book of Philippians, and he was already an adult when he started his ministry. 25 years. 
And by this time, I, you know, I hope that he's got it all figured out. And then he writes Philippians 3.12. And it's starting out at verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I mean, this is an old guy talking. He says, I press on to take hold of that from which Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to be taken hold of, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love this whole idea of forgetting what is behind and looking for what is ahead of you. Forget about all those things because they just weigh you down. Don't throw that on you again. God is saying, shed all that. But he uses a word in the Greek here that I just love. It's the word apokaridokia. I press on and I finish strong. I don't let up. I stretch out at the end when I'm trying to get the gold. It's, it's the runners. It's the bikers. It's all the people who are, who, you know, they see the finish line and they stretch out. They, they go for that. As they, they stretch their body out to get it across that finish line and, and so forth. It's a, what a wonderful word that is. We need to concentrate on stretching out. We have to press on. We have to apokaridokia. We have to hold on and go for the gold. <coughs> so I'm thinking we should move on to chapter 13 because we have a few minutes left, right? Well, at least let's, let's hit it a little bit. It says, when Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, you are now very old. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks, Lord. You made my quiet time really special this morning. You called me old. And the Lord is like, well, I can't lie to you. You're getting old, you know? Remember, Josh was the oldest guy in the nation at this point. This had to be really weird for Joshua. And the Lord says, you're old. Now, it's kind of scary when the Ancients of Days calls you old. I mean, he's the, the eternal one, the alpha, the omega. And he says, you're old. And he goes on and he says, <clears throat> and there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. This is the land that remains. This is great here. The Lord is going to read Joshua to-do list. Here's everything that you haven't got to yet, Josh. <laughs> uh, you, you can imagine Josh kind of getting riled up here going, I've been fighting battle after battle. What do you mean I haven't done my stuff? You know, okay, Lord, you know, or maybe it was the opposite, Joshua going, okay, 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 what do you want me to do next? I'm going to get, okay, where do you want me to go? I'll, come on, fighters, Lord has something for us. But what is interesting here is the Lord tells him this. It's not to get you fired up, but it's time for you to lay it down. It's time for you to, to allow the others to take over and do this. Halfway through the book of Joshua's life, God tells him he is old and won't get it all done. Wouldn't that be cool if halfway through your life, you know, our lives, that we would realize that we couldn't get it all done and that's okay? That there are others that we need to mentor, that we need to bring along. It's not negative to realize that you're not going to get it all done. You know, I've got more ambition. I've got more strength. I can do this. You know, I get to the top of the mountain. Then we realize, wait a second, I couldn't see the mountain behind that. I can't get it all done. And that's okay. And if we are not mature enough 
We start pushing ourselves and others around us even harder. And we start saying, I have a big vision. And God is like, yeah, but that's your vision. That's not my vision. Our vision has to match up for what God has for us. And then sometimes we go, well, this vision, and God goes, no, 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 you're being silly here. I'm the one that gives you the visions. If it is our vision, then it is in our control. If it's God's vision, then it's in God's control. But it's hard for us to give up control. See, the plan that, that you're working on is way bigger than you are. That's what the Lord tells us sometimes. God looks at generations. God looks at, at, at time. He doesn't look at a generation. He looks at multiple generations. God's plan for you began before you were ever born. Think about that for a second. And the result of what you accomplish go way beyond your 70 years or 60 years or, or 80 years or 90 years or 100 years that you might live. It will totally benefit you along the way to praise the Lord. And some things will totally fall apart and you need to praise the Lord. And then some things will come together and you need to praise the Lord. And you don't know which is going to be which sometimes. That's because we're not God. He is. You know, we used to be the little G of our life. You know, the little G God of our life. We used to control our life. And God is saying, don't take, don't take control back once I give it to you or, or once we give it to him. Don't take that control back. Let God be your God. God is telling Joshua that it's time to let it go or, <coughs> or he will become, you know, older and more bitter. There's a difference between growing old, you know, growing old uh, gracefully and growing old bitterly. And we want to be that graceful as we get older and allow others to pick up the battle for us. Here they split up in the 12 different tribes and, and Joshua can't cover all the territories. He can't fix everything because the territory doesn't belong to him. Let God be God. And Joshua could say, well, I got us here. So this is how we're going to do all these things. And God is warning him, don't forget that I'm the one that got you here. My vision is bigger than your vision. Don't get stuck on what you want. You see, we live on borrowed time. Every one of us, every one of us is going to die. We don't know when, we don't know where, we don't know how. God knows all that. And we're like, well, yes, pastor, we're all going to die. Well, then live like it. Live like you're going to die. Live like that. Live for God like you're going to die, and you're going you're gonna to do everything you can to represent God until that time happens. And before I die, I'm going to be completely and totally, I'm going to let go of my, my life. I'm going to let go of the control of my life and realize the vision that God has for me. It's much bigger than I can accomplish alone. Man, if I could have learned this when I was younger, things would have been, you know, totally different. But some of us, you know, we've gotten here in our Christian walk. And some of us never get past this. Some of us stop at that chapter 12 of our lives. But, but you know, God, you know, takes us on sometimes to chapter 13. And he's going to remind you, 
that no matter how many victories you have, you have limitations that are actually God-given limitations. God gave you a certain amount of things to do, and he's not going to let you accomplish these other things sometimes. Sometimes he has that for other people. You know, we like the mantra, I can do all things. But really it's, I can do all things with Christ or through Christ who gives me strength. That's the key. I can do all things through Christ. It's about him. We have to balance doing these things in our life and doing these things to glorify God and not ourselves. You know, then one day, we're going to completely lay it down and go to be with God. And what a glorious day that will be. There'll be people here that mourn, but we'll be in heaven. And what a celebration that will be. It'll be a wonderful day where God will say, you know, I've been watching you and you're going, God, why were you watching me? He goes, because you've been fighting the battles I wanted you to fight. You've done some wonderful things on my behalf. That's the reward that we want. We want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he'll say, here's the reward you don't deserve because of your sin. But through grace, I'm going to give it to you because you believed. Through mercy, I've made a home for you. Welcome home. It's right up here, you know, right up here in heaven. Down the road, it has, has your name already on the door in a sense. So we have, the, we have to celebrate the battles that we win. We've got to remember what God has done for us. So we can teach the younger generations the path toward God. We can say, these are the battles I won. These are the battles I didn't win. Let me teach you the difference and how it helped me to win more battles so we can help them. Then we have a realization that God's plan is bigger than our plan. But no matter what, we press on. God takes a hold of us. We apocaridokia. We stretch out as we come to the finish line. As we're going toward, as we get older and so forth, we stretch and we finish strong. It's important to still strive to reach that goal. Never, ever giving up on God's plan within our life because it's not our own plans, it's God's. But God's vision is what is important for our life. So the question ends with this. Do you know the vision that God has for your life? If you don't, ask him about it. Let's pray. Lord, so many of us, we've accepted you, but we haven't moved on beyond that. We haven't moved uh, uh, on toward, toward other battles, or, or maybe the first battle just crushed us and we stopped. But you have so much more for us, Lord. I pray that we look to you and say, Lord, help me fight these battles. We don't know the vision that you have for our, uh, for our lives completely, Lord. And I pray that you give us little nuggets, give us little pushes, bring people beside us that will help us in the vision that you have for us, that we may live for you no matter where you put us in this life, whether we're the CEO or we're the janitor or we're the preacher, wherever you put us, Lord, may we accomplish your vision. May we glorify you on this earth. So many times, Lord, I, I, I look at our own glorification. 
because it's all about us. But Lord, give us your vision. Help us understand your will in this life so that we can win the battles and we can be like Joshua and we can sit down and list out the battles that we've won over the past seven years. And then may you give us rest, Lord. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may you win the battles and then may you rest in him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.